Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of the F1 show for coverage of the 2009 Belgian, I'm just kidding, Jim, Singapore Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And it's I'm, always Belgium here. That's right, man. It's waffles every day. Uh, I am Jim Lau, <laughs> but uh, no, it was Singapore this weekend. It was the second ever night race and always a very cool looking race under the lights and everything. And uh, thankfully, um, we haven't had any more new scandals show up since uh, the last time you heard from us. Yes, yes, um, it has. It has been lovely, um, and it's also this is a much shorter episode today because we already know that Fernando Alonso is going to win this race. So yeah, I mean, it, it makes our lives easier. Yep. Um, so it's really a foregone conclusion. But uh, real quickly to wrap up, since you last heard from the podcast, oh um, yes, there was a decision. Wasn't yes, there? and uh, the. Uh, Renault team um, was found to be guilty. You know, they didn't uh, deny the allegations of race fixing. Of unparalleled severity yes. that they broke the rules. Um, and so they were handed a lifetime ban from F1, except that it was suspended if the, for, for the, two if, years. If they uh, don't do anything ban-worthy for the next two years, um, they will essentially not be punished at all. So... Oh, and Flavio Briatore is out for life, and Pat Simmons is out for five years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fine. But to wrap this up, no fines, no penalties, no loss of championship points, no grid penalties, nothing. They don't even have yeah, to, PK they don't have to no, donate no, to yeah. their, you know, their charity of choice. Well, There's there was no community there was, service. There was some language in there about making a significant contribution to a safety. Oh, to the FIA, and they had to pay for the fees of the World yeah. Council and stuff and, like that. But yeah, and to some safety, but there wasn't like really disclosed, or maybe hasn't yet been. McLaren as far as what was fined be. $100 million and taken out of the Constructors' Championship for, in my opinion, much less egregious behavior. Yeah. And despite what some reports say, I think McLaren, as soon as the team boss, as soon as Ron Dennis and everyone high enough knew what was going on, I think McLaren was every bit as much, if not more so, forthright about um, going to the FIA, going to the council, and trying to resolve this in the most um, most uh, reputable, dignified manner as possible. And McLaren got hammered, and Renault got literally a slap on the wrist. Yeah. What is that? I mean, yeah, Flavio being out uh, and and Pat Simmons being out, I mean, that's penalties for those guys. Um, Nelson Piquet, who actually did the crashing, and ultimately it was his decision to actually, you know, put himself and other people in danger, um, is immune because of his coming to the FIA. But he didn't come to the FIA, you know, the following weekend or whatever. He did that after he was fired from the team, so he doesn't even really seem like a good guy in this that's whole thing. That's a dirty little scoundrel, that one. Yeah, so it's pretty clear. I think Robin and I pretty much agree that the, the penalty really just doesn't seem to fit with uh you know what's what's happened with McLaren and what's you know what's what's gone on previously because even taking away their constructors points wouldn't have that much of an effect it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't but the, All, with the McLaren mean, points conversely McLaren was leading the constructors yeah. championship at the time yeah but still something something i would think is certainly justified here yeah. and the fact that they fired Pat Simmons and Flavio Briatore to me doesn't mean much i mean McLaren fired, I forget the guy's name now, you might have better memory than me, the McLaren engineer that was involved in this scandal. Anyway, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, now, you know who you're talking about. Yeah. They, they fired him too. So I don't know. I think the thing is, is grossly uh, out of whack. So yes. that is a huge shame. Now, yeah, Flavio has been banned for life from being involved in the FIA in 
any way, shape, or form. It almost sounded like he wasn't even allowed to buy a ticket into the grandstands if he wanted to come. Uh, Mike Coughlin was uh, was the McLaren engineer. Okay, Coughlin. Yeah, Stephanie was obviously at Ferrari. Okay. And the interesting thing is any driver that is managed by Flavio Briatore, their super licenses will not be renewed if they continue to have any relationship with Flavio Briatore. That included Romain Grosjean, Fernando Alonso, Mark Webber, and is it Heki Kovalainen? I think Heki Kovalainen. Yeah. And there was actually a email about this, and I want to clear that up. The decision is written that those licenses won't be renewed. So it's not like, and obviously if you watch the race, you know this now. Uh, it's not like those drivers were immediately kicked out for being involved, being managed by Flavio Briatore. It's just that they can no longer be managed by him next year, basically. Yeah. And and I think Weber has already come out and said, because um, curiously his teammate Sebastian Vettel is the only guy on the, uh, the only driver who doesn't have a manager. He just makes his own deals with the... Uh, you know, the different teams and, and, and contract negotiations. I thought you were going to say with the devil. That's and whatever. Um, and, and Weber is sort of like, I don't know if after seeing uh, how Vettel does, whatever, it's just kind of like, yeah, what do I need a manager for? Like, yeah. I'll just do my own thing. Yeah, right. I'll make my own deal. So, and I'm sure the other drivers will work something else out. You know, that I don't right. think is going right. to affect a whole lot. Do the punishments fit the crime? I've heard, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, including Bernie Ecclestone, that uh, Briatore's punishment was too harsh. I frankly don't think so. Yeah. Pat Simmons, five years versus Briatore's lifetime ban. I don't fully understand the discrepancy there. I guess Pat Simmons was a little bit more forthcoming, but he basically said no comment to every real question that the World Council had. You know, it was maybe Briatore's idea, and Simmons knowingly went along with it, and so it wasn't as bad as coming up with the idea in the first place and being quite as evil, but he let it happen, so <laughs> either way. Yeah. Pat Simmons wasn't the one stroking the cat, but... Either way, they were, they were both pretty heavily involved uh, with this scandal. Um, the other interesting thing that's come up that I frankly do not know much about is this whole Mystery X character. Witness X, yeah. Witness X, sorry. And uh, who is he if he isn't Fernando Alonso? Uh, and what? And then and where does where is he involved in this? Will we ever discover who he is? He's kind of like the Stig in a negative way. Yeah. And then, uh, and then finally that brings us to... Alonzo completely, almost angrily, denying that he had any involvement in this. I still don't buy it. Yeah, it's it's a bit. I mean, it's a bit tenuous, but uh, I believe that that could be the case. Yeah, case or sera, I think for everyone's sake, it's probably best that we just move on. I couldn't agree more. Well, with that in mind, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg, the Hulk, looks like he's going to be an F1 driver next year. Yes. One of the few um, non-open-ended things going on in terms of driver's lineup for 2010. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, I believe, has won the GP2 championship that, is, that happened in Portugal. And he has all but... I, they haven't announced it officially, but it sounds like he has uh, written a contract to Driver Williams in 2010. So congratulations to him. There may not be a Rossberg in a Williams next year, but there will be a Nico. Um, yeah, Hulkenberg won the 05 Formula BMW Series, a 2006-7 A1 Grand Prix for Team Germany, uh, Formula 3 Euro Series in, in 2008. Uh, he came third in there the year before. Um, was sixth in the GP2 Asia Series in uh, 08-09. But then, yeah, this year won GP2 Series and will be moving on to Williams. So um, that's obviously cool. He gets another you know good new talent in the series. I hope he can... Uh, he can take that and do well. You know, as far as the whole driver lineup, though, there's still so many questions about who's going where, and a lot of it comes down to Fernando Alonso. Still, you know, will he be at Ferrari? Is Ferrari confirming him? Will will, will this happen or whatever? 
And there's a new article out now from Autosport, and I don't know what new information there is, but it's Ferrari set to confirm Alonso for 2010. They're going to definitely announce something yeah. that might pertain to what... It's like, we don't actually know one way or the other, yeah. so... I, we don't really even care that much. I mean, it's been more or less a foregone conclusion for a long time now, and... You know, so announcing something like that is, is is fairly worthless. But it does bring up another point, which is uh, Kimi Raikkonen's future is looking more and more ambiguous. We got a Facebook comment, something about a letter of intent for Kimi Raikkonen to move to McLaren. Yeah, back to McLaren. And uh, that that I found very bizarre. Uh, but yeah, there's been I, again. There's been a lot of rumors about sources close to this and that say this and that, but who knows? Right. Exactly. Yeah, but supposedly the the big deal right now, the sort of the not sticking point, but the, what's being worked out is Kimi Räikkönen's release because he does have a contract right now with Ferrari through 2010, and it's worth a lot of money. Yeah, um, and you know who will have to pay whom in all this so that Kimi can go and race for another team or go rallying. It's sort of yeah, we don't know yet. Yes, probably Fernando Alonso will be at Ferrari. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see. Um, Raikkonen at McLaren. I mean, that was... Um, Absolutely, but I have a hard time seeing a Raikkonen-Hamilton uh, a team. That seems bizarre to me. I know that McLaren loves their Finnish drivers, but that's that's a tough sale for me. Uh, it seems like Hamilton and a strong number two is the way to go. Yeah. And not Raikkonen. I don't know. I don't see that. Yeah. Well, who knows? Um, who knows? We don't have any other sort of firm news, I don't think, as far as driver changes or anything like that. No, oh, yeah. There's tons and tons and tons of rumor uh, it seems like almost every driver on the every driver in Formula One is on the market in one form or another. Uh, uh, very few confirmations, other than I guess, ironically enough, Felipe Massa. And uh, I think the Red Bull drivers are also they they are where they are. Uh, yeah, so you've got those guys. Yeah. So yeah, and I think actually all four Red Bull, the Toro Rosso drivers, I don't think they plan on moving yeah. anything around either. But everyone else, who knows? So uh, I guess that being the case, we have actually finished last week's follow-up without spending a half an hour. How about that? That's amazing. So I guess we'll move on to qualifying. Let's do so. And this year, the uh, the track was really dusty. There was a lot of debris and leaves and stuff over the track. They didn't do quite the cleanup they did. And I think that had something to do with uh, a lot of the sort of just real ups and downs in the pace. I mean, we had some... some Bumps and bruises. Some really fast lap. I mean, Nico Rosberg came out his with his Q2 just, lap. His Q2 was lap crazy. was just like a, what is it, half second clear of everybody else? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. a 46-1 that he pulled off. Yeah, 46-197. Yeah, and uh, just some some wild uh, ups and downs. But in the uh, Q1, uh, Vidantonio Liuzzi ended up dead last. Roman Grosjean just ahead of him. Uh, Fisichella in the Ferrari, and that's a disappointment, he being 18th. That is still better than Badur, but, uh, you know, he's not dead last, but uh, 18th. Yeah, he, uh, he struggled, but to his credit, uh, Raikkonen also struggled. Raikkonen was only 13th, yeah. yeah. So also, uh, Algrisfari was out uh, in Q1, and, uh, and Adrian Sutil, so a you know, disappointment for Force India there. Q2, we saw Yano Trulli in 15th, you know, that's no good for the Toyota, um, especially where his teammate ends up. Um, Sebastian Buemi made it into Q2, he ended up 14th. Um, like I said, Kimi in 13th, and then Jensen Button, 12th, didn't even make it out of Q2. And uh, that was, you know, obviously a disappointment for the Braun guys. And he blamed the car, which I I, I had a hard time with, because he was second or third fastest in Q1. Yeah. And which doesn't mean a terribly large amount, but I'm sorry. That is a stretch to blame the car to go from one end of the grid to the other. Yes. And uh, I think Button, for whatever reason, just got choked up. Um. Kaz Nakajima ended up just ahead of Button in 11th spot. 
Uh, and then Q3 ended up being kind of a wild ride in itself, where it was going along a norm- short ride too. Normally enough, but uh, in the very end, in the closing, uh, the closing lap, I think I don't think it's like 45 seconds yeah, on no, the clock or something. I very think 30 seconds yeah, left on the clock. Very basically. end, um, actually uh, just got a corner wrong. I don't know if he had a little too much speed or turned in later. Exactly what happened? I didn't see the beginning of it, but ended up with him getting into the wall. And with that little time on track, they don't, you know, they, it was yellow flag for a moment. They said, no, we just got to end the session. So the end of the session um, before, I mean, you know, obviously the hot laps usually are happened after the checkered flag. You know, they're started just before and then, and then sort of the parade of people finishing up. So at that point, Hamilton was on pole and yeah, he won the pole. I mean, he won the pole. They, they ended the session a little early, but uh, I, I don't think there were any really, I mean, I don't know. but I, I don't know if the pole uh, position might have changed, but. You know, the top five, I think we would have seen a different order than what we saw. Yeah. Uh, had, you know, a lot of people were just getting ready. They were finishing up their uh, their tire warm-up laps, and they were ready to get that one last yeah. lap blast in. And uh, I think Vettel, Vettel was light. He was quick. Vettel, I think, had an honest shot at uh, of the pole position. Yeah. Um, and he ended up on the front row, but he, you know, I think he could have claimed pole. Rosberg, who knows what he might have been able to pull out of the bag. Yeah. He had a little bit more fuel, but, I mean... Based on his Q2 run, you never know. Yeah. And so it's been unfortunate that uh, we didn't get to see those last laps, but that's how it goes. Yeah, the teams pretty much always bank on the ability to get their last lap in after the checkers have flown, and if anything goes wrong during the session, like if there's rain or a red flag like we saw here or any kind of a crash, then that chance just goes away. They don't have a second chance to do that. Um, but the final rundown was Lewis Hamilton on pole, like you mentioned, Sebastian Vettel beside him, Nico Rosberg qualified third, uh, Mark Weber fourth, uh, Rubens fifth, but he had a gearbox change, so he had to move down to tenth. But then Heidfeld had. But a then Heidfeld had a had a penalty because he, he was underweight at the end of the session, so he moved back to the started from the pit lane. So Barrichello actually started ninth, but Fernando Alonso qualified sixth, Timo Glock in seventh, uh, Heidfeld eighth, but like I say, it didn't matter. Kubica in ninth, and uh, Heike Kovalainen in tenth. BMW is a you know both being in the top ten is is certainly solid for them. They're at the at the lower end of the top ten, of course. Well, but, they uh, did come with a big upgrade, uh, yeah. as did many teams. McLaren being one of them for this track. Yeah. Um, but you know, BMW Sauber is pushing hard, and I think this is uh, being pushed by uh, Peter Sauber as much as anybody to show that this is still a worthy team that's worth keeping in Formula One, even if that means having car number twenty seven and twenty eight on the grid, or is that twenty eight and twenty nine? That'd be know. wild. Yeah, I'd be great. So uh, qualifying is only as good as uh, you get on Saturday, but on Sunday, it's time to race. With Singapore celebrating its third full day without a scandal, the beautifully artificially lit racetrack was ready to provide us with another visual stunner. And with Hamilton on pole, the Briton launched the car perfectly to control the beginning of the Singapore Grand Prix. Vettel, on the other hand, couldn't get out of his own way at the start and immediately lost P2 to Rosberg in the Williams. Alonso also made moves on Weber, but Weber got him back before the end of the lap. More importantly, all of the championship contenders were still in the race after one lap, though Button was out of the point. As the race went on, it proved to be one of attrition, claiming Romain Grosjean early, as well as three of the four Red Bull-backed cars. Weber's right front rotor exploded in turn one, causing a reasonable shunt in the wall, while both STR cars pulled into the garage, nose first, also with brake issues. 
Singapore even claimed Mr. Consistent himself as Heidfeld limped his BMW Sauber into a runoff area with three out of the necessary four wheels attached. He was helped by Adrian Sutil, who spun and ran into Heidfeld. And that doesn't include the various side view mirrors, underwing bits, and other various expensive carbon fiber pieces laying across the track. None of that deterred Lewis Hamilton, though, as the boyfriend of a pussycat doll drove fast and flawlessly to win the Singapore Grand Prix. Behind him came the surprise Timo Glock in the Toyota, a desperately needed result for the team. Rounding out the podium is none other than Witness X himself, Fernando Alonso in the Renault. A uh, quick editor's note, we do not know if Alonso was Witness X. In fourth place came the lone surviving Red Bull of Sebastian Vettel, now the only non-Braun car in the championship. He was followed by his competitors for that crown, Jensen Button in fifth and Barrichello in sixth. Hecky Kovalainen brought the second McLaren Mercedes home in seventh. And behind him, another driver hot on the market for 2010, Robert Kubica collected a point in the BMW Sauber. So Jim, it's your boy. I know, man. Hamilton from the from start to finish, he just he got a great start with the curves, like you said. And uh, you know, I was talking about in the qualifying report, if Vettel had been on pole, if Hamilton were on the were on outside pole, I still think um, if they'd started the way they did, Hamilton would have gotten around him by turn oh, one. Man, it would have uh, been easily, uh, would easily. have been you know ended up maybe the same way. So uh, the uh, yeah, but, I mean, the real tragedy today, I think, was um, was Nico Rosberg. I mean, after showing such oh, qual- such practice such promise in practice and qualifying. Um, and then to, uh, you know, ultimately what unraveled it for him was his, his pit exit where he went over the line, had to do a drive-through penalty. Well, he didn't go over the line. I mean, he, well, he went he over yeah, full cars, it, yeah, passed over, over yeah, a curb he, he, and passed and then back into the line and yes. yeah, he, it wasn't just like, like, he was he there? Was he not? It was yeah, well and truly, he, he made it his bit. <laughs> so yeah, it was his fault, but at the same time, you know, it was just it, an unfortunate it, mistake. A lot of people had trouble. That seemed to be a very slippery part of the track for whatever reason, perhaps, this dust we've been talking about collected there a bit from yeah. the other cars. And it, yeah, but they've done the pit in and pit out on Friday, Saturday, and in the morning warm-up and everything, and he was the only one that actually got in trouble for doing that. I know. Well, he was the only one that actually went over the line, yeah. but he was definitely not the only one that was caught out. We saw a couple brake lockups. We saw, I think, Rubens Barrichello slide a little bit, but he was able to stay within the lane. Yep. So it was a very slippery area, and it, it was really unfortunate because he got the drive through penalty, which no one's going to argue that he deserved. However... Uh, unfortunately, there was a yellow flag and a safety car that came out. Yeah, that was a safety car that came out for uh, Sutil's crash with Heidfeld, and uh, the penalty happened just before that, but luckily they said, uh, you don't have to serve the penalty while this yellow flag is in effect, while, the, while everyone's behind the safety car, which would have been even worse of a penalty, uh, because the whole field is bunched up right behind the safety car. So he was able to do the penalty within three laps after the safety car period had ended. Which is still mostly a disaster, because... This gap that he's pulled with Hamilton, Hamilton and Rosberg were well ahead of most everybody else. Yeah. And um, had he had this drive-through penalty in the green, when this, when he, if if the safety car were never to happen, he might have lost three or four places. Right. Instead, he lost, I believe it was twelve places on the grid. Yeah. Uh, and it just basically ruined his race. He came out in fourteenth. He had a second pit stop bit on the early side, put him back to sixteenth. And I think he eventually worked his way up to 11th, but he was on track to be on the podium and uh, perhaps maybe just maybe challenged for the win. Probably unlikely, but uh, really, really unfortunate for him. I totally agree with you. Uh, I think he was 
it was his fault, but that safety car really robbed him of a good result. He definitely could have scored some points. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, in some cases, a drive through penalty is like a death sentence for the race. Uh, and in other cases, you might lose only one position or even none at all. Yeah, like just well, Mark Webber's drive through penalty when he went on to win yeah, the German Grand Prix. Exactly. It's a very different situation based on circumstances. But there's not really anything the marshals can do about that. They, they hand down the penalty. I think it was right of them to... Uh, allow that to happen after the safety car. Uh, but I think the other big loser in all this was Nick Heidfeld. I mean, Adrian Sutil uh, was fighting with Jaime Alguasuari and uh, spun out on his own accord. Uh, and then I think he should have been able to see Nick Heidfeld coming down the track at him. Uh, he kind of pulled away from uh, from where he crashed. And yeah, he was kind of in the apex of the corner. And looking at the TV pictures, we couldn't really see for sure. But it seems like uh, Sutil should have been able to see Heidfeld coming down the down the track, and this was Mr. Consistency himself. I mean, he'd gone 42 races, and you know now to be crashed out by Adrian Sutil is really a disappointment. I totally agree with you that it was uh, completely unfortunate for Heidfeld and absolutely nothing he could do about it. However, I, I don't think, because uh, Sutil ended up getting, what was it, a fine or a grid penalty for the no, next no race? No grid penalty. It was just a fine and an official reprimand for the uh, FIA. A fine and official reprimand. I, 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 I don't think... Certainly it wasn't malicious, and I don't think anyone's claiming that it was. But it, to me, it almost seemed like uh, the spin was continuous. So he spun under braking, and then before the car even stopped from spinning from braking, he continued the spin with engine power, just trying to keep the car looped around and keep going. And he didn't move much more than a foot to get Heidfeld. Had Sutil right. just spun and stopped and done nothing I think there's a very good chance he would have collected Heidfeld all the same. So I don't think uh, Sutil spinning and trying to get the car back around had too much to do with it. And with that being the case, I really just think it was a racing incident, and, and I don't think it was fair for Sutil to get fined. Well, the good news is, with a fine anyway, is that it doesn't take a uh, grid spot penalty away from them next race or carry on into the end of the championship. Uh, so... Yeah, it sucks for Agent Sutil, but at least it doesn't affect the racing that much. The big thing for me that came out of all this is how absolutely lucky Jensen Button is. How did he manage to qualify so poorly and yet collect a point over his nearest rival for the championship? Truly, truly shocking. Yeah, and really, Hamilton and McLaren's resurgence has just fallen right into Jensen's hands. Uh, you know, as much as Jensen wants to win all the races he can, seeing Hamilton up front doing that for him is just brilliant because, uh, of course, Hamilton is in, in no contention for the championship. Yeah. If he, yeah. If he gets yeah. maximum Hamilton points. Hamilton just surpassed Nico for sixth in the championship with this race win. Yeah, so that's all well and good for, for Jensen for starting. Well, even in, even in qualifying, he qualified it based on, he, on his performance. He qualified 12th. It was his poor performance that put him there. I understand that he didn't think the car was working as well, and that could be absolutely true. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And in Q2, in Q1, the car seemed okay. Bear Kello pulled it out and got himself into Q3, and he was probably en route for, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a you know, third-place qualifying uh, position. Uh, but Barrichello had the five-grid penalty for the gearbox issue he had early in the weekend. Yep. So that saved Button from having his nearest rival and his only real rival from being well ahead of him at the start of the race. And he also somehow 
managed to have a better race strategy than Barrichello. It didn't seem to me, he didn't drive poorly, but he didn't drive any better than Barrichello, but he somehow got on a better fuel strategy and was able to go longer than him on the second stint. Yeah, yeah, we didn't see it on TV, uh, but in his second pit stop, Rubens actually had an issue where he couldn't select neutral and actually stalled the car. That cost him some time, so at the end of the day, Jensen got that position, and his lead got one point bigger. Yeah, so now he's got 15 points on Barrichello with only 30 points available. Uh, to any individual driver, and it's now just between him, Barrichello, and Vettel. Uh, So this is all good news for him, and I don't want to take anything away from Button's race performance today, but he's definitely been charmed, despite some of the things that he would consider bad luck, some of what some of us might consider poor performance. Uh, He's been very, very lucky to not have it affect his Drivers' Championship. If he does indeed win the Drivers' Championship, he'll absolutely have earned it, absolutely have done a great job. But someone is looking over his shoulder. Yeah, but if we had Bernie's medal system at F1, where the driver with the most race wins wins the championship, then Button would have clinched it, as no one else can get six wins that he already has. Uh, but of course, that's not the situation we've got. Uh, we've got you know points going down to the wire, and uh, you know for for Vettel to win, Vettel know, would have to win every race, basically. Yeah, so it's it's really outside for Vettel. But if well, hold on now, if Button scored nothing from this point forward, and Vettel got two wins and uh third, I think that would do it, because I believe he's 25 points back. So uh, that would be the actual necessity for the results. But basically, essentially, with McLaren being as strong as they are, with, you know, with the Braun car still being strong, McLaren also being strong, uh, Alonso and the Renault still seems to be pretty strong, uh, you know, the chances are basically slim to none against uh, Vettel against for the championship. But, right. yeah, Rubens can still do it, and Rubens definitely seems to have the upper hand in the mental game right now. Yeah, there was this great moment near the end of the race where uh, Rubens behind Jensen, and they got on the radio to say, hey, Jensen's got some brake problems. Uh, you know, you should also keep an eye on your brakes. And uh, his response is, well, can I catch him? Yeah, they were telling Barrichello to keep an eye on his brakes, and Barrichello's response was, can I try to get Button? I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. He's definitely got the attitude Bar- going. Barrichello is so energized this year, and now that he's got an honest chance to win the championship, I, I, I think uh, he couldn't be happier. Uh, and it's great to see him that way because it's been cool to watch him drive. It really has. Yeah, for sure. And there's another thing you mentioned quickly in the race report about Mark Webber uh, having the brake issues that he did. He came into the pits on his second pit stop, and he had, before that, really big amounts of bre- uh, clouds of brake dust coming out of his front wheels, um, but he came into the pits, and they took the wheel off and did a pretty lengthy inspection of the, of the brake duct. I mean, they knew something was wrong, and actually took enough time in the pits, a couple of cars went past, and that mathematically eliminated Weber from the championship. I mean, he was only hanging on by a thread, but that was all it took. So the team knew there was a serious issue, serious enough to hold him and lose some positions, and really inspect the brake rotors, uh, and the brake ducts, they can't really look at the rotors. Then they, they went and they said, okay, well, it's it's got issues, but it's good enough. So they sent him back out on the track. And and they could see, as he pulled out, they could see actually chunks yeah. of rotor, even from the pit stuff. So that rotor was in sad, yeah. sad, sad shape. Yeah, but they did let him out, and then he made it all the way around the track once, uh, but then the front brakes finally did let go, and actually, you know, Mark Weber looped the car, ended up backing into a, into, into a wall, and 
Uh, frankly, it was at a sort of lucky as far as where it actually happened on track because uh, there was a little bit of runoff and it wasn't a bad accident or anything. Um, but isn't that releasing a car with faulty equipment onto the track and a potentially safety hazard? A car with no brakes is a pretty obvious uh, safety hazard. So should there be an investigation or any, any penalties there? I personally really don't think so. And the reason is, is I don't think they saw... I don't think they saw the actual because when they did the inspection, they did the wheel swap. They looked; they didn't see anything from what they could tell. Of course, they were going really quickly and maybe you not know, checking it out as thoroughly as one might in between a practice or something. Of course, but they didn't see the actual chunks of rotors that we're describing until they actually exited, exited and left the pits. And it seemed to be the video coverage we saw that they were picking up the bits and they were going to show. The decision makers, hey, you should probably retire this car. Or who knows what they were going to say, but they say, hey, there's bits of rotor in my hand. And uh, But the car was already wrecked uh, when that happened. The questionable thing, and uh, the only thing I don't that in my mind might be a little bit questionable is they retired the two STR cars very soon after that. And we can only surmise that that was because of brakes, and they were probably complaining about brake issues, and Weber's brakes just blew up, so they said, screw it, we don't want to write off more carbon fiber. Just bring them in. But they didn't bring Vettel in. And, of course, Vettel is fighting for the championship desperately and for points. And and he ended up scoring points. Uh, That might be the only questionable thing. Personally, I don't think they did anything wrong. I mean, Lonzo's wheels was loose, and they knew it was loose. Uh, They knew the lug nut wasn't right when they sent the car off. When they sent the car off, not after it. So... That was a little bit different. Yeah, but between Mark Weber's feedback and the telemetry and, of course, the extra time they took to actually inspect the brake rotor itself, they knew that that was on its last legs and, and may not survive another lap. But uh, you could say that just as easily about Button. I mean, you could probably say that about half the field, practically. Sure, but in in my defense, you know, none of the other teams took the extra time out to cost themselves time, but stop in the pits and really investigate the brakes. And, uh, you know, I just, I feel like they, they really knew something was wrong uh, or worse off than the rest of the field. And so I'm not trying to start another scandal here. I don't need to start, you know, rotor gate or whatever. Uh, but I just, it just seems like, uh, you know, it's another disappointing end to the race for, for Mark Weber. And it's just, you know, after, especially after crashing uh, a year ago at, at Singapore, he just really must hate this track. Yeah, I don't know. you know, I, I I feel I genuinely it seems like Weber's luck is back, and I really feel bad for him for that because he he you know he was, had an honest contention for the championship. He'd been every bit the match for Vettel. There's you know last year uh, this time when Vettel and Weber were confirmed teammates and everything. There's just so much talk about how Vettel was just going to run over Weber and he was going to show how old and slow he was and all this kind of stuff. And we defended Weber back then, and we've proved to be quite right, I think, because. Weber has matched Vettel and outpaced Vettel on many occasions. Yeah, and after that in the race, it really just seemed like it, it came down to uh, brake wear, everyone just having to manage their, their brakes. Oh, you saw the lap times slow way yeah. down. and everyone sort of, you know, we the were guy... going 49s to 50. 48s, 49s to 50, 51s, yeah. just like that. You know, everyone would get on the radio, hey, the guy in front of you is slowing down, you know, try to take advantage of that. And then a lap later, eh, no, don't try to take advantage <laughs> of that. Just save your brakes. You know, let's consolidate here. Let's yeah. do our thing. They didn't realize how close they're actually running those. Yeah, it's a long race, too. It's 61 laps, and they're long laps. Oh, it's a two-hour race. You know, darn near. Pretty, yeah. solid, uh, pretty solid long race. It was, it was cool. You know, I think, uh, I think that's neat. Yeah, so like I said, you know, at the end of it, it was, it was just all, all Hamilton. Everyone was kind of in conserve mode. Yeah, I mean that was that was the deal. I guess for the last for the, for the last six laps, there were no no passes or anything too tricky. It was just kind of everyone conserving and doing their thing. And uh, but it was it was a pretty entertaining race. I mean, I think the between the first the first lap and the shuffling around that happened therein, and the, and the first pit stop was kind of like 
everyone's just kind of going and doing their thing yeah. and there wasn't a yeah. whole lot of, but then once the pit stops started going through and then there's penalties and there's everything else that uh certainly uh opened up was pretty interesting um i still really i do like the venue um i do too the like, the visual that you get all the 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 different exhaust pipes glowing the, you don't see the brake rotors glowing anymore because of stupid vents uh but uh, the um, the heat you can see coming off the cars. I mean, it's very yeah. I mean, neat. the, the, the shadow, the, the you know, flames coming out of the exhaust and the downshifts at the end of a straightaway just look real cool. We even saw they pointed out in I think prior to practice the uh, a laser height sensor that was on the uh, on the Renault where he's going over the curb and the car was kind of airborne a little bit and you could see the little uh, sight sensor underneath there shooting a laser beam down onto the track. I mean, some of the stuff that's just in the engineering side of me, I just really enjoy uh, seeing a little bit more, uh, you know, behind the scenes just that much more. The other um, brief thing of, of sort of potential drama or whatever to bring up uh was uh alonzo uh you know finishing finishing third uh, he also had fast lap of the race but uh dedicated uh the podium to flavio briatore yeah which was kind of a funny moment in the interview because peter went, it was like kind of the end of his little uh spiel he's oh i want to dedicate this to flavio and they're like like no response like so anyway back to hamilton <laughs> like, yeah. let's just it's move like, on from that like that yeah. i don't want to touch that well and it's interesting because you know mark weber's on record is saying some very very nice things about flavio briatore so has Fernando Alonso and stuff like that. And it's like that's great if you know if he's just your manager, and uh, great you know and you know I guess he's his boss. He was his boss at uh, Renault as well. But uh, I don't know. I it uh, I think I think he's been kind of a scandalous, shady character for a while. Yeah, I mean this is not the first time he's been uh, in trouble with scandals and in, in, right. and if in he's on your the side, one or not, you if know, he's on your side, he can be powerful. But yeah. you know if he's not on your side. You know he can be ruthless. So. Yeah, so it's it, you think as Alonzo, uh, you kind of want to just you know let it all go past and try to be like, hey, we're Renault, and, and I think also showed you know that Renault did a good job, I guess, except for you know Grosjean, but uh, <laughs> Alonzo did for, a good you know, half. Alonzo did a good job, except and, for half. And Bob, yeah, Bob Bell as the new uh, team principal, that you know, in, in the interim now, um, uh, you know, got got the car on the podium in his in his first outing. You know, obviously. He sort of jumped in at the last minute there, as he had to. But and um, we should probably mention too, we, we we've kind of let this slip. I mean, the Renault car is very much more now the Renault car, not the ING Renault car presented by uh, what is it, Meltel, Mutua, Mano, something yeah. other. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, two big sponsors have broken deals immediately yep. with Renault, and there could be more attrition like that. Uh, Renault, I'm sure, can survive it, but uh, it's part of the attrition. So I guess in some ways that is a punishment. But, uh, you know. Yeah, there's probably a lot more than $100 million worth of uh, sponsorship deals with ING going away. That's uh, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, so, you know, Renault sort of said, hey, this is our first, since the penalty's been handled down, and since their whole, like, they're under the watchful eye now, they're kind of on probation if they don't uh, do any other race fixing, I guess, in the next two years. Yeah. And I'm sure Ron Tennis was watching race going, ooh, probation, <laughs> how strict. Yeah. Uh, so throwing pop. They say yeah, it's, the, it's their first you know step towards redeeming themselves and moving on and whatever. So that's good, and uh, you know hopefully as a manufacturer and as a solid uh, you know participant in Formula One, Renault stays in it because I don't think the team is fundamentally bad, and uh, hopefully they you know can continue on and, and do well, and we don't have any more race fixing going on. Yeah. So with that, maybe it's time to hear what you guys think. Okay, we had a couple of emails uh, about predictions and trivia and also one little email about this uh, little Renault scandal thing we've been talking about. Uh, I actually addressed this a little bit. Uh, 
just heard the decision from the Renault, dis, uh, Renault from the World Council. One word, disbelief. Now that if I understand that right, no more Fernando Alonso, Mark Weber, Heki Kovalainen, Rone Grosjean. Uh, why get rid of Rome Grosjean? Just kidding. I just think – I just don't think I can grasp this. It's like F1 is falling apart. So I must pose a question. Uh, for these guys who have been booted from F1, what's next? Uh, well, so to answer your question, no, that's not how it happened. It's not that the super licenses were uh, immediately revoked. Immediately or, revoked. They were you – know, it was just you know, you can't renew them. And uh, But, you know, what's next for these people is still an interesting question. You know, uh, uh, Mark Weber managing himself, who's going to get managed by whom, and how is that going to affect – just add another, you know, layer of red tape to the driver lineups for next year and everything else. So it, it does pose an interesting question there, but that was from on Radio 03. I think it's AJ. I think AJ, it's- that's that, yeah. I can never remember that. Jim's the name guy. Also, we got another email uh, answering our trivia question. Uh, Larry Jennings thinks that it was 2002 that Barrichello finished second in the championship for Ferrari with four wins. And that may or may not be the correct answer. You'll we are find not in the trivia section of our show yet. Yeah, we, we can't. We're we can't in feedback right now. But that, that's feedback. But that's that's it's been fed back. It has. Okay. And we've got a piece of feedback from uh, David Cohns from the Interact page as well. Um, he says, just commenting on your Crashgate slash Scandal Poor sections from the Italian GP podcast, uh, you talk about how Piquet's crash in effect denied Massa the championship. Well, how about Hamilton being denied a perfectly hard-won victory at the Belgian Grand Prix? And that was the whole uh, gaining advantage from the chicane and giving the position back. And did he fully give the position back or, or not? And you know, the stewards ended up, uh, of course, disqualifying him, which uh, you know obviously screwed the whole thing up. So... Um, I agree that you can't really go back and, and rewrite the uh, you know rewrite the results. You know you can't do the same thing with uh, with Singapore last year and, and everything. It's just uh, you can't change what's already in the books because uh, there's just so many concerns of oh, who would have done this and, and it's just well and a, a lot of what people are talking about is like oh well you know maybe Nico Rosberg won that race last year uh, because he was second behind uh, Alonso. It's like no 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 he benefited from the same crash that everybody else did. I mean you know. The fact you can't rewrite history there because that crash changed everything. Yeah, so, and, he's, and he's, he sort of says, you know, all these ifs and buts, yet the sport is a great leveler, um, and things tend to even out over the course of a year. And Hamilton won by one point. Uh, was about right for the 08 season. I, I, I agree yeah, with that, David. Yeah, so. I think that's a pretty succinct way of saying it. Also, um, on the Twitter uh, conversation, we've had uh, some good feedback. I, I posted the other day how, uh, you know, Bernie Ecclestone got my memo. He changed the date of the Canadian Grand Prix. You know, the 2010 calendar is released now, and some of the teams are challenging it because they say Canada is too close to Turkey, which is only a week after... Uh, one of the other, Monaco, I think, so they're saying, hey, we've got a lot of flyaways and getting all their stuff across to North America is a big deal. So that might change again. All I hear is whining. For, for, now, uh, for now, Canada was moved away from being in the same weekend as my wedding, and I appreciate that. So thanks, Bernie. And uh, you know, we had some, some little conversation about that with uh, yeah, yeah. Emily Hansen and uh, Tim Meekins and whatnot. Um, also, a uh, note from uh, AJ Bleschmidt, I think. Uh, pretty sad that F1 has come to uh, a multi-billion dollar sport that is people putting lives in danger for a few more dollars. And uh, can't can't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so if you're not if you're not following us on Twitter, uh, we are at the F1 Show. Uh, also, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com/f1show. And if all those addresses are too hard and long to remember, uh, just go to f1show.com/interact. And even if they're not, you should go there anyway because it's just you know it's a it is page cool. that we made, and that's exciting, right? Also, we had some uh, fantastic activity on the Facebook page, as always. I don't want to cover everything because I don't think I have enough, I have enough energy, but uh, some good, uh, good comments from Brennan James Cronk, still our favorite fan. 
He brought us stuff. And uh, also from Dave Stevens, who had a prediction for us, uh, predicted that Button would win from pole and have fastest lap. Not quite. Not Ooh. quite. He said he did say he's putting himself in the firing line to be completely wrong when Piquet makes a shock return in the Ferrari. Okay. Okay. So now you're getting a little out of hand. So no Coke for you. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, also thanks to Matt Riley. Um, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with you, Matt. Uh, you know, Echo Stone, you know, has his opinions, and uh, I don't agree with very many of them these days. Uh, Matt wrote, when are they going to ban this Echo Stone idiot so we can get on with our sport and get our money back? And uh, it's kind of, well, yeah. So anyway, thanks to you guys uh, for the comments. We appreciate that. Uh, Echo Stone and uh, Briatore seem to be buddies, by the way. And uh, one thing that we've talked about is they co-own a... Is it rugby team? Football team. Football team. Yeah, soccer. Football. football. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So they own that together. And so there's a little bit of conflicting interest I was looking there. through Flavio's bio, and, you know, he's dealt with so many different teams in so many different capacities from, you know, the buyout of Minardi in their early days and, you know, getting the old uh, Renault engines from the Ligier team uh, and then supplying engines uh, to a bunch of teams. And, like, it was, you know... It, it's a crazy sport, and I guess it's a lot, like a lot of industries where you know people move around and they're different uh, different companies they work for. But you know, if we, if you're in that kind of an industry, you you tend to run into the same people over and over. And, and right. Priatori was certainly one of those people that uh, just kind of was involved with with everyone in some form or another, um, for better or worse. Absolutely. So I think with that, we're going to move on to trivia. 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 Alrighty, we had a little bit of a limited time schedule today, so uh, Robin <laughs> put tri- trivia over to me, um, and luckily I'm you know very talented uh, and brilliant. Jim, Jim handled it with grace. I was able to uh, to do that. Uh, do we want to answer the old trivia question first? That's how good I am at doing trivia. I completely forgot about that. So that <laughs> yes, let's do that. Okay, so last week I asked uh, what I thought a very brilliant question, which was Rubens Barrichello continues to expand on his now 17 year long F1 career. He has now won two races this year. What was his winningest year? Where did he place in the championship that year? And which team did he drive for? And if you were listening a few minutes early, uh, earlier, Larry Jennings was in fact correct. It was 2002. He won four races driving for Ferrari, and he finished second in the championship. That wasn't the most challenging trivia question we had, but we thought it was an interesting one all the same. So Cokes for everyone. It was a generous trivia, trivia day today. So with that... Jim is going to make his debut and give you a new one. Alrighty, so we've been looking at constructors coming and going and manufacturers coming and going and potentially a whole lot of teams next year and all that. Uh, along that same line, uh, the question this week is who is the youngest constructor in Formula One and when did they start? And for this, I don't mean ones that have changed hands. Um, for what it's worth, I'm you know counting Braun as, as kind of changing hands from Honda and whatever, so not them. But uh, as far as starting from nothing... Um, Getting into the getting into the sport and becoming a constructor and uh, and up through current to today and that's that's it's a two parter then it's uh, you know you can answer that question any of the normal ways go to f1show.com/interact and you can send us a tweet about it send us an email reply to our uh, post right on f1show.com however you like but uh, there it is and uh, that brings us into predictions.
Yes, predictions. And uh, for the second time in a row, Jim and I both predicted the same person to win the race. Yeah. And who do you suppose has that, that has person ever was got, that we picked? Have we ever gotten it right? <laughs> Winning? I'm not sure. Uh, but who won the race? According to Jim and I, it was going to be Kimi Raikkonen. Ooh, that's so great. Uh, Jim, you also went on to uh, predict Barrichello on pole. And if you meant hitting a pole in Q3, <laughs> that might have been correct. That would have been closer. And you had Nakajima in 13th. However, Robin Warner, that's me, picked Lewis Hamilton on pole position and picked... Giancarlo Fisichella to finish 13th. And guess who finished 13th? Would you look at that? Bring it! Oh, the glory! Yeah, man. I... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting good at this. You're basking in that code right now. Mm. Um, I think okay. the only thing I have is, like, I picked up some weird negative gym prediction vibe that, like, cast over me, and I ended up predicting incorrectly. But I would I would have nailed it otherwise. I get a Coke. I um, get a Coke. We've got a couple of uh, of, of listener predictions. Um, AJ from the previous email, he had Robert Kubica on pole. Um, no, sorry. Um, first. Uh, wait, hold on. First in the race. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Quick story. I just reread Singapore or Bonza's predictions, which had I kept my Monza predictions, I would have been two-thirds right. However, that's not what either of us predicted. Oh, you... Just, man, you're not allowed to be in charge okay, of predictions so. anymore. You're terrible. <laughs> okay. All right. You had Hamilton on pole. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and we both picked Jensen Button to win the race. And uh, you had Kubitz at 13th. So... <laughs> Wow! <laughs> All right. All right. I screwed up. So anyway, who'd you have? So who'd you have in thirteen? <laughs> I don't want to talk about <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. No, I had Barrichello on pole. <laughs> okay. All right. Bring it back. Point okay. is, we're both terrible at predictions. And nobody had... gets cokes. All right. I had Rubens Barrichello on pole. I also had Jensen Button to win. So that part was correct. We for the second time in a row had picked the same person to win, and I had Aimee Alguasuare. And I spelled that totally wrong. I said Alguswear. Um, he so was he was sort of fifteenth because not only last. not only was I wrong, I couldn't even spell his name. That is fantastic. And you read the wrong prediction. I entirely. made that big whole scene, and I didn't even read the right freaking week. Great, you're, you're great at this. All right, but, I will so, give back my coke. Okay. Wow. Um, a couple of the, the, the listener predictions because this one, and, and I hate to, uh, you know, <laughs> hindsight is always is twenty twenty. Reading the oh, predictions uh, after the race is always great. Um, but AJ had uh, Nick Heidfeld to win. Um, sorry, that didn't quite happen. Second, Jaime Alguasuari. Um, that I don't know where that came I, from. Yeah, that was uh, Rubens in third was the only kind of reasonable prediction, and for thirteenth, Lewis Hamilton. So yeah, he actually may have been worse than us on that particular prediction. Yeah. Also, uh, Will Carver had for predictions he had uh, Jensen on Jensen winning, uh, Yarno Truly in thirteenth, which actually wasn't too far off. He was twelfth. He says, "Sorry, guys, but Toyota both to- Toyota both sucks and blows, and always has done." <laughs> so, well, hey, uh, Timo Glock got a uh, second place today. So yeah, that's, you know, that's ironic that he, he waits till now to say that, isn't it? It is what it is. 
that's about it for predictions. And I think uh, we are going to have to boogie here. And uh, well, and we've got to we've got to predict for next week. Oh, I, know oh, I tried to see. I tried to slip us past that. I know, I know, but we got to stay consistent. So maybe you should read the predictions next week because wow, I can't believe I screwed that up that badly. That was big. Okay, so anyway, we have to soldier on. You now, Jim. I owe you a coke. You correctly put Hamilton on pole position. So there you go. Take that. Take that positive energy and run with it. And tell me who's going to be on pole. All and right. win the race I, I, and be 13th in Japan. All right, I don't think it's going to be uh, Hamilton again. He's never been to uh, to Singapore. Uh, to Singapore. <laughs> wow, maybe I've gotten oh, the, the Robin vibe oh, going. No. Yeah, to to Suzuka in Japan. But uh, you know that he is again. He's a really good driver. I think you know the curves are a couple a uh, couple of big straights, and uh, it could be it could be interesting to start finish straight in uh, Suzuka's pretty long, and having that into turn one and. Oh, that could be interesting. What is this? What is this? Analysis? Yes. To bring insight into who's actually going to be on pole? Come on, please. Yeah. Fair just enough. randomly pick someone. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to see if I can go bold, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I, I, think, uh, I think Robert Kubica on pole. Wow. Yeah, I think these BMWs with their upgrades are going to do something good. Wow. But, wow. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Rubens to win, actually. Wow. Yes. I think, I think he's going to eat a little bit more out of uh, Jensen's lead and... Uh, you know that that's that's what I think. That is bold. Thirteenth spot, Yarno Truly. Ooh, Truly for Shirley. I'm wearing sound, a Yarno Truly shirt right now, good. man. It's like it's like my faith in the guy has gone away. All right, so Robin on pole. Robin on pole. Okay, that's <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, I think the most important thing is that next week I correctly read this. So I I think unlike you, I'm going to go with a safer bet. I think that uh, Hamilton is going to do well at this at this race. I think he's quite a good driver. I think he's thrilled to have a car that's quick and competitive. And uh, so I'm going to put him near the top. I don't know if he's going to... We're not asking for near the top here. We're asking for yeah, pole. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going to go Hamilton on pole. And I'm going to go Hamilton to win. You know, we're not predicting for Singapore now. I mean, you're going to read this <laughs> next week as though it was last week's prediction. <laughs> like, I nailed it! Yeah. Uh, Hamilton on pole, Hamilton to win. And in 13th place, I really, I don't know. That's a toughie. Nick Heidfeld. I got. I see. I see more promise for the for the BMWs in the future. Yeah. Well, I'm not necessarily I'd, I'd disagreeing, so, yeah. but I'm definitely. Uh, if we're going to be wrong, I might as well be wrong with something interesting. That's my view. So I am already a half an hour late to my group uh, group meeting for business school. So I should probably go. All right. Well, on that note, it's just a week's time until we'll uh, we'll be bringing you coverage from Japan. So until uh, then, I'm Jim Lau and I'm Robin Warner. See ya.